But before, before we get to our text for today, I just wanted to sh- share with you uh, something that I found on Facebook about motherhood. Um, and this is called Murphy's Law for Moms. And I actually shared it a couple years ago today with my sister and sisters-in-law and my mom. Here's Murphy's Law for Moms. If you wear black, they will have a runny nose. If you wear white, they will have muddy hands. If you change their diaper, they will immediately poop in the new one. If you mop the floor, they will spill something. If you put on fresh socks, you will immediately step into whatever was spilled. If it is perfect, they will fix it for you. If you say it, they will repeat it. If it's important, they will forget it. If you're tired, they will not be. And if you love them, you will see the beauty in it all. All right, well, let's uh, read. I'm going to go ahead and we'll read the first or the full chapter of Titus chapter 2. And then we will open in prayer. Titus chapter 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We pray that as we delve into it deeper, that we would see its relevance today, and that you would bless um, your word as it goes forth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The reason I decided to go to Titus chapter 2 for this message is because as we, go, as we start out the book of Titus, in Titus chapter 1, um, uh, Paul is laying out for Titus the way to come up with church leadership in Crete. And he gives a, a list of things that are um, needed for people that are going to be church leaders. And all these things are important. And he talks about doctrine and how important doctrine is. And then in chapter 3, he's also giving some practical things that the church needs to do. That we need to be subject to the higher powers, to speak evil of no one, um, to, to be obedient, um, and then talking about what Jesus has done for us. And in the middle of both of these chapters, which are obviously doctrine-rich, Paul puts a chapter that is very practical for us. And it's not that he paused in his, in his uh, discussion of doctrine in order to give us Titus chapter 2. No, Titus chapter 2 is doctrine. And so as we go through it, I want to just emphasize the point that often it gets glazed over. Maybe we read it. Maybe we even study it a little bit, but I want to look today at a greater context for it. So with that in mind, um, the first point I want to make, well, the message that I, the uh, title that I have for today is the high value God places on mom. And the first point that I have is Keeping your homes honors the Lord. Titus 2, 1 to 5. Let's read that one more time. Paul, a servant of God, Paul, um, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And I just want to point out that Paul is really going down the list. He's saying, okay, first of all, uh, we need um, to make sure that we got our doctrine right. The aged among us need to be sober. They need to be full of faith. They need to be patient. You know, my, my grandfather is a real good example of the patience. Because he'll sit and listen. And he'll think. And then if you really want advice, he will give it to you. But he's not usually one who's, who's already thinking of the advice before you're done speaking, which so many of us are guilty of. And so I really appreciate that about him. And, and I appreciate uh, similar qualities 
in my own father as we've grown closer through the years, especially after I became an adult. We had some rough years when I was a teenager because um, I needed to learn some things. I still do, but, um, but I'm very thankful. And so then he talks to the aged women and he says they need to have behavior that uh, shows forth holiness. They need to not be false accusers. They need to not be given to much wine. So sober is another uh, repeating idea here. They need to be alert of what's going on. They need to be teachers of good things. And then Paul alliterates, what are the things they need to be teaching? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I know some of these verses are often quoted, but I especially want to draw your attention to that last phrase. The reason that you are exhorted to learn from older women to love your children, to love your husband, and to keep your home is so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. No time ever in the history of the United States has been more right for the blaspheming of the word of God. I fear that often we as Christians in the United States try to get as close to the world's way of doing things as we can while still honoring the Lord. Instead of looking at the Bible and saying, okay, this is what the Bible says. Does it mean it? And as we go down through this passage, I hope you'll see the context is, yes, it does mean it. Because all these things are going to tie together, and we're going to, we're going to see an overall reason why this is important as we go through. And the thing is, that if you invest that time, I know there's going to be some tough days. And my mom talks about sometimes when we were little, when she was really overwhelmed. But as we grew... We were able to help with more things. Um, I even helped with some of the homeschooling of my younger siblings. And uh, things do get better. So, and now my mom has uh, 11 different people that she's brought into this world who are impacting the world for Jesus Christ in their own way. There's no more powerful thing than that. There's an old saying that says that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. <clears throat> Rover. Grover Cleveland, former president of the United States, 
or I know I think it was Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge, former president of the United States, said that he had a rebellious youth and he would come home night after night and see his mom praying on her knees. And he said, because of her, I came to trust in the crucified one. When I was almost five years old, I came to trust in the crucified one in the living room with my mom nearby, leading me to the cross. My dad was a big part of that too, but she was there that day when I passed from death to life. So this task of motherhood should not be undersold. You know, I, I saw an article from a concerned Christian pastor a, a couple months ago that perhaps Christians were getting too family obsessed. But I have to take exception with him to a certain degree, because if you look at the overall stats, in the last 30 years or so, the marrying age of women has gone up from 22 to 28. And the marrying age of men is somewhat similar, but both the ages being older. And in some ways, there's nothing wrong with that, but if we really were to boil down the population numbers that we have in our country, we would realize that we're not really replacing ourselves. Because we're at a place where, for the majority of America, 1.8 you know, to 2.5 children is, is enough. And if that's what God gives you, that's great. But I think a lot of times we are taking God's blessing and saying no thank you to it, to our peril. And sometimes people say, well, if God allows me to do it, then it must be his will. But may I bring you to the people of Israel when they requested quail. And they got the quail. And the minute that they ate it, it rotted in their gut. And the psalm said it this way. It said, God gave them what they desired, but he sent leanness to their souls. God will sometimes give us things that we are so pleased to have, and then we may claim that it's God's will. But we need to be very careful that we're not just being allowed by God to do what we want because he's letting us learn our own lessons and mistaking that for God's will. As we finish up this first point, could we look by way of cross-reference at 1 Timothy 5.14, another passage about mothers.
somebody has that they can read it. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry their children, manage the house, and give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. Again, Paul is upholding the value of a woman keeping house. That it's not a second class thing. You know, a lot of times people say, well, well, Paul said, I wish that all men would be single, such as I was. Paul talked about that in basically one passage. And he talked about marriage in many more. So, I think we need to take the context and make sure that we don't build a whole doctrine on it. Now, I will say this, that if you're single and that's what God has done in your life, then by all means, serve him with your singleness the best you can. But I know some single people that aren't doing that. Being happy single is not about or serving God with your singleness is not about um, sitting in a basement, watching movies, just passing time, just having a full calendar of scheduled events because I have the time and the resources to do this because I'm single. If God has you single to serve him, get involved with ministries that you wouldn't have time for if you are married. And then if God leads someone into your life, you'll be able to transition into a new season of ministry, which will include your spouse. So I think both ministries are valid, and we need to keep that in mind. I think it's also important to note that um, I think a, a key element of this is protection. That God gave the woman to the man, and it says that when they ate in the Garden of Eden, that the woman was deceived and the man was not. He was charged to protect her, and he failed. And he still is charged to protect her. The Bible says that a husband is to give his life for his wife as Christ also did for the church. And so if we uh, take that in context, we realize what a high calling that is. You know, it's kind of interesting. People get hung up on that whole submission verse from Ephesians chapter 5 when the reality is that 90% of that passage talks to the husband. There's basically the one verse for the wife because the husband bears a greater responsibility. All right, so let's move on to our second point. Each person has a role in the kingdom. Titus 2, 6-10 Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, 
in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well, not answering again, not purloining, but showing good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So the, why do I bring this up? The reason I bring this up is because you see that this, this, these, this whole thing about the role of mothers in the home is right here along with the other responsibilities that God is laying out for a good and righteous society. He goes right from talking to the older women and the younger women to talking to the young men. And then he says, show thyself a pattern of good works. And then he talks about the doctrine again, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. You know, people may be against you and they may try to condemn you, but some people, even if they're against you, even if they don't believe what you're saying, they really can't say anything against you. And that was certainly true of Stephen. It's mentioned in Acts that even though many people despised him, they really couldn't say anything against him. That's why they got rid of him so fast, because there was no response to what he said. So they're like, maybe if we just get rid of him, then we don't have to deal with it anymore. Kind of the same thing that they did with Jesus. And uh, I just, when I look at these lists, I just think about, you know, if, if our leaders in our country would read this short epistle, how much more hope we would have. Because God has an order for things. When we go out of God's order, we ask for chaos, and that's exactly what we are seeing. And then uh, he talks about exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters, which could be applicable to your to employees being uh, obedient to their employers to a certain extent. And then showing good fidelity or good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Again, it's all about uh, showing Jesus to the world. I think I mentioned this song before. Uh, there's a song by Sidewalk Prophets called Live Like That, where they say, I want to live like that, you know, so that everything I say and do points to you. Can we really say that that's the case for us? Not 100% every day, but that's my goal. And um, so, just a reminder for us. And then just keeping in mind that God is in control. And as we move into this third point, we'll see 
um, the reason why we continue to do these things. But first, let's look at First uh, Peter two twelve. While we're still on the subject of the roles we all have to play in God's kingdom, because I think that's sometimes where people get misstep. They're they're like, well, I can do anything He can do, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should because God calls certain people to certain things. If, if you do something that God called somebody else to do, you won't be successful. It's like when Paul, when King Saul was waiting for Samuel to offer a sacrifice and, uh, and he was told to wait and he didn't wait. He offered the sacrifice before Samuel got there. And then Samuel got there and he said, why have you done this wicked thing? He's like, well, I just wanted to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Well, he wanted to do it on his own terms. We have a lot of people in our churches today that want to worship God on their own terms. They want to make his word say that what they have as a lifestyle choice is correct. And that doesn't make it so. But does somebody have First Peter two twelve? Again, here's another thing. Just have honesty and decency in such a way that they may try to speak against you. Uh, they may be even successful at slandering you, but it'll be just that, slander, because it won't be true. And, and whether or not you are unjustly punished, you will know that you did the right thing and that God was able to bless you because you continued to follow him. So I would encourage you to uh, continue to live a life where it would be hard for people to, um, to say anything nasty about you. Remember Daniel in the book of Daniel. They searched high and low, and they were like, we can't find anything wrong with Daniel, but we still hate him. So we have to make up a law that we know he'll break, so when he breaks it, we can punish him. And that's exactly what they did. And then, long story short, he survived, but they were lunch for the lions. And so they ended up getting punished by God for going against his chosen leader for them. And that was him working in a pagan nation. It's stories like that that slightly encourage me with what we're going through as a nation right now. Because even when pagans are in control, God is still on the throne. Okay. Um, our motivation should be gratitude. Titus 2, 11 to 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us that he may redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of all good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now I want to bring this back to our initial thought about moms today because we are, as you are moms and as you're raising your kids, you are displaying to the world what God's salvation is about. Because you are raising your kids to love and honor God and by that you're showing the world what, what a difference God makes. And uh, this verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live sorely, righteously, and godly in this present world. I, I think about this in this context a lot, actually, because I see a lot of the world's attitude toward children creeping into the church. More and more people that are in the church, um, they're getting married, and they say, well, maybe someday I'll have children if it's convenient or it fits into my time schedule. I know of one young man that I, I served with at, at a camp for a number of years, and he and his wife married, I don't know, several years ago, and to this day they have no intention of ever having children. And to me, that is sad. Because I believe that God says, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And you know, there really isn't too many other things in the scripture. Go ahead and look. Search for it. There aren't too many other things in scripture that are known as God's reward. And yet so often, we, we want to stifle it. We want to cut it off. And I don't think that it's God's plan. We're supposed to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. You know, people were already starting to give my sister-in-law Sarah stares when she was expecting her fourth. Like, how in the world could you do that? Don't you know what causes that? And fortunately, after... A little while, she got to the point where she was able to say things like, yeah, two people that love each other. But it's sad that that's a bad thing. And then why are we supposed to live this way? Why are we supposed to live different from the world? Because we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous, of good works. And then he finishes with these words. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. 
These chapter indentations that were made were made by man. Paul didn't stop talking about doctrine from Titus chapter 1 so that he could address family issues in Titus chapter 2 and then go back to doctrine in Titus chapter 3. No. He talked about family issues because they were a part of doctrine. We need to get this. We also need to be reminded that Jesus did give us the Great Commission when he left. But you know what? 90% at least, perhaps even 96% of the time, when I hear somebody speak on the Great Commission, where do they stop? They say, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel and teach all nations. Um, ah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it because I'm blanking. But anyway, let's go to Matthew 28, I think. Matthew 28. I want to make sure that I read it so I, I don't get it wrong here. Sometimes some of the most familiar verses, you get up to the time of using them and they go out. Okay, this is what I was going to point at. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 19 is a very popular Great Commission text. But it's only half. Because 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. It's hard that I would even use these words, and maybe these are the wrong words, but if we're obsessed with anything, I would say in some ways we're obsessed with the gospel in the sense that we don't go all the way with the Great Commission. We need to spend as much time on the second half of the Great Commission, as much time in verse 20 of Matthew 28, as we do on verse 19. And I just want to encourage the mothers here today as I close. That in your job as a mother, Lord willing, if you are following him, you are teaching the second half of the Great Commission to your children. You don't have to go to far off lands. You can do it in your living. I'm so thankful for each of the mothers here. Some of you who are not my mother have mothered me in various ways and I appreciate that and I appreciate my mother as I said I would not be the man I am today sitting here before you without her 
And she would not have been able to do what she does without my self-sacrificing father who was willing to work whatever hours he needed to do to make sure she could stay at home and teach us and keep the house. And the reward is that today I get to rise up and bless her. So, if any of you have thought, well, maybe I'm wasting my time because I'm a mom, please stop that way of thinking. Because someday it will pay off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We ask that you would bless us as we get on the road to go to our various destinations. And in whatever family get-togethers or whatever else is going on today, we pray that you would bless and guide. We pray this in Jesus' name.